The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Can Homer Simpson shift the debate over nuclear power? Tune in to my chat with the head of the International Atomic Energy Agency to find out. If you're listening to this podcast, you must recognize the value of asking questions. At Aramco, our questions help us engineer a better future. How can today's resources fuel our shared tomorrow? How can we deliver energy to a world that can't stop? How can we deliver one of the fuels of the future? How can we sow curiosity to harvest ingenuity? To learn more about how innovation drives us forward, visit aramco.com slash powered by how. Welcome to a radioactive edition of The Exchange. I'm Rob Cox, the global editor of Breaking Views, the financial commentary arm of Reuters, and I'm coming to you from Rome, Italy. My guest this week is Rafael Grossi, who runs the International Atomic Energy Agency in Vienna. The IAEA was created in 1957 in response to the deep fears and expectations generated by the discoveries and diverse uses of nuclear technology. The agency's genesis was U.S. President Ike Eisenhower's Adams for Peace Address to the General Assembly of the United Nations in December 1953. Of late, the urgent fight to reduce carbon emissions has revived debate worldwide about the role of nuclear energy. Because it does not emit CO2, splitting atoms is a clear and powerful alternative to burning fossil fuels, even when the sun doesn't shine and the wind doesn't blow. That's why the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change this summer warned that the world's aims to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius will fall short without embracing atomic power. The problem is that much of the general public, and therefore many of the politicians who represent them, do not trust that it's safe enough. That's why countries like Germany, Italy, and Japan have turned away from nukes following the mishaps at Fukushima, more recently are going back to Chernobyl and Three Mile Island. Grossi is on a mission to change that perception, and Homer Simpson may be able to help. Give a listen. Great to see you. We tried to connect at at the COP26 in Glasgow. It was, a, it was quite difficult, but I'm really glad you've got time to chat with me now about, about my pleasure my pleasure indeed i remember we we, we tried that but it was a bit of a of a hurdle uh, just to, <laughs> to, to, to get together there there were i think a lot, lots of people but but it's good that maybe who knows maybe it's even better we are we will be a bit more you know have more time to discuss that's true it's also more quiet you know it's a little quieter you don't have all the people running around but uh, yeah but true, it's yeah, true well, what was your impression? I mean, so that was a month plus ago. There was very, there was a lot of talk about the role that nuclear energy could play in the climate, uh, the, the the net zero transition. How, do you feel, having dealt and done this now for many years, do you feel that there's been some sort of advancement in that discussion? Well, I think there is. Uh, the fact that there was a lot of uh, discussion was no no coincidence. In fact, we prepared carefully, at least from the side of the IEA. I, I, I've said before, but may, maybe not to you, and I think it's relevant that, uh, you know, just a few days after I took over the, at the IAEA, uh, it was December 2019, and, and the COP25 was coming. This was a COP that should have taken place in Chile, if you remember. Uh, yeah. It couldn't because of some, some social disturbances there. Then it was moved last minute to Madrid. And then I decided that I would be going to Madrid. And I remember the experts here at the agency saying, no, no, DG, you shouldn't, you shouldn't start in this way. This is not a good place to go. If you're a nuclear guy, this is, this is not the place where nuclear is welcome. 
which in part uh, is true. There's been a, there's been a history about uh, how nuclear had been uh, considered uh, even in the diplomatic table, uh, at the diplomatic table in the negotiations there. But I decided that I would go there anyway to start showing the flag and uh, simply, you know, with the idea that which informed everything we did after, after that and, and in Glasgow itself, the idea that nuclear, uh, uh, like it or not, has a place at the table. It has it now. Uh, the place can be larger <laughs> or bigger, but it has it now. And at least uh, there should be a, a discussion about this. And um, if, if we uh, proceed from the premise that the problem we have is to decarbonize the economy, then that is the enemy <laughs> and not nuclear energy or, or wind energy or solar. The problem that you have, if we are intellectually uh, honest about this, is to use less fossil fuels and see what alternatives we have. So what we said is let's go there offer the discussion, have the, organize a couple of things, a couple of debates if we can, and also participate in others. And in, in the end, it ended up being a big success, I believe, although, of course, we were not at the center of, of, of the negotiation. There was a political negotiation, a diplomatic negotiation, but there was, there was a lot of activity around nuclear uh, and a lot of discussion, a lot of um, public attention, press. You know, I was interviewed, I don't know, 14 or 15 times, even from mm -hmm. journalists, colleagues of yours coming from countries like Germany, who decided the energy vende and the, and, the, and the phasing out of nuclear energy. Because I think that, as I was saying, when you are proceeding uh, from, a, I would say, a, a scientific or perspective, on the issue, a purely energy perspective on the issue, at least you need to discuss it. <laughs> and then you, you, can, you can weigh your arguments. Uh, okay, what's about, about the waste or the cost or the Fukushima's or this or that, but then you, you have the discussion. Uh, so I believe that, that the, the, the winds are changing. This is very clear, especially for countries who uh, need solutions, that need to find alternatives and to do something about the problem they have in abating uh, CO2 emissions. This yeah, is very yeah. clear. So uh, if you are in you China, mean, if you are in India, if you are, what do you do? Uh, what options do you have? Uh, and even if you are a developing country, you know, in my job, I, I see, I receive lots of um, politicians, ministers of energy or science or technology from developing countries. Most of them, in fact. And they are all looking at nuclear. They, and in particular, you know, small modular reactors and things like this, because they see the, the attraction of the argument. They see that this could solve a few of the problems um, in, a, in an economically feasible way. In any case, to go back to your initial question, uh, it was a success in, in, in that uh, I don't think that nobody would ever think again of excluding nuclear from the discussion. I think on the contrary, you know, now I'm already working with Egypt for COP27 and, and with the United Arab Emirates for COP28. And I don't need to convince anybody that uh, we have to have a place at the table and, and to be discussing there. And, and I, I would argue that the market will evolve in such a way that it would make the discussion around nuclear even more uh, obvious when it comes to the COPs. Yeah, I mean, the, the internet, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's report 
earlier this yeah. year, of course, gave a big boost to it. It basically argued that without, without embracing some form of nuclear power, the world's aims to limit global warming to one and a half degrees Celsius before pre-industrial levels is impossible. Exactly, you, you wouldn't add up. Your figures would not add up. You, you, you can say whatever you want about one or the other, but then, then you have to have options, credible options. And this report was one, and there were others, as you know, the, the IEA, our, our, our friends from mm -hmm. the IEA in Paris, and any, uh, you know, respected and respectable energy consultant uh, will tell you that. Of course, they will tell you other things as well that we may discuss about uh, social acceptance and these and the typical things around nuclear, um, which I am very also happy to discuss always. I think we have to have a very open conversation about every topic. Uh, but the thing is, you, you need the megawatts, you need the clean megawatts, you need you need the the, the base load energy. So uh, quite clearly, you you have to to include uh, nuclear in the mix. There is no doubt. Yeah, I mean, you talk. Let's talk about that so, the social question. We'll get to the question of safety, which is what you've alluded mm -hmm. to. Um, but uh, before you get to that, I mean, it's quite interesting. I'm I'm right now coming to you uh, from Rome, Italy. And this is, a, this is a country that's had a couple of referendums in which people said emphatically no nukes. Uh, it is yeah. still, you yeah. see when politicians speak about it here, it becomes a bit of a third rail for them. Don't, don't talk about it. But you look around, you, you, you consider this country, just like Germany, another country you mentioned, which is, is turned, it's turned away from nuclear uh, after Fukushima. Um, how, do you sense that there is something changing? And do you think there is a way to make it socially acceptable for politicians in places like Italy or Germany and elsewhere to turn the narrative around on nuclear energy? Well, maybe you don't need uh, to do that uh, in these countries, um, but let's look at, at the reality in general, all over the world. Look at Europe, you have more than half of the countries in Europe today using nuclear energy, more than half. From that half, or a bit more, 40 can 14 countries or something, mm -hmm. you have countries that want much more. Slovakia, Slovenia, Hungary, Poland, uh, France now with a very big, I will be on, on Monday, I will be in Paris to, I will have the honor to open with President Macron, the World Nuclear Exhibition. You heard the announcements by President Macron, um, what, what's happening in the United Kingdom with important uh, announcements. Uh, so it's not only the East European uh, countries, it's in consolidated nuclear countries, you have, you have a lot of investment in nuclear coming up, which is going to be extremely important. Canada has also made important announcements uh, this week. So uh, not to talk about China, Russia and emerging countries where this is discounted. So um, in the case of Germany, I think the Energiewende is, is a, is a, was a major political decision, which I don't see changing uh, at the moment. Uh, but what, what, what I see is that at the level of public opinion, if you believe some of the Umfrage, some of the uh, polls, um, more than half of the Germans believe that uh, they should not have done what they did. Of course, politically, perhaps, is a, is a no-go, and it shouldn't be. Italy is a very different case, because Italy never, it was, it was a nuclear country. Uh, it abandoned nuclear energy a long, long time ago, and then mm -hmm. the, the discussion never came back really seriously, or they had a referendum two days after Fukushima, which was quite convenient. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. No, 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 bad timing. 
a bad time. Oh, so, so uh, but what I, what I mean is that uh, these countries, well, they will have their political evolution. I live in a country which is which is militantly anti-nuclear, and Austria is a model host country, I must say, for the IAEA. Uh, they help us as, a, as an organization. They are uh, generous and an excellent model um, uh, host uh, state. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, nuclear here has acquired a quasi-religious anti-nuclear, quasi-religious uh, levels where, uh, you know, people uh, get uh, get really mad at you if you, uh, but literally they get really angry oh. at you. Yeah, get very angry. As if you were talking about, I don't know, uh, pedophilia or something which is socially condemnable and, and something you don't talk about. Uh, so I'm exaggerating, of course, a little bit, but just sure. to say that every party in the spectrum says nuclear energy is bad. Okay, so, uh, and, and frankly, we, I am personally, and I don't think we should be in a crusade to uh, convince uh, societies that have democratically and freely chosen uh, an, an energy path. And this is what uh, normally your German colleagues ask me. And I tell them, well, you know, it's a democratic choice and, uh, and that's it. But when it comes to the, the wider, bigger world, the reality is completely different and they have to admit that. What is curious is that when you, when you confront these people with these facts, sometimes they are even surprised because the, the disinformation, these narratives have gone so far into making people believe that nuclear energy is disappearing. Nobody, perhaps they are consuming without knowing it, they are consuming nuclear energy, but they will believe that nuclear energy is something of the past, something that, uh, that has disappeared. Um, uh, not to talk about the fictions about the nuclear accidents and the, the fact that perhaps millions of people died after these accidents and all these things have gone unchallenged for too long. So uh, I, I think what's important from an organization like mine, which, which has no commercial interests, but on the contrary, is doing the non-proliferation part, is doing the safety part, is doing the security part, is doing the nuclear medicine part or the technical cooperation part. I think we have an important role in uh, disseminating the truth or, or sharing yeah. information with the public. Well, it's it's interesting. You you know, one of the things that I picked up on at the uh, the pre-COP and the youth the youth part of the COP, if it, mm -hmm. as it were. You know, you see that Greta Thunberg and others who are out there um, who have the most at stake, uh, arguably, in in meeting the one one point five degree goal. Um, they haven't widely embraced nuclear. So even after the IPCC report, uh, you don't see, new, and when they've been asked about it, it's sort of a, they demur, they sort of, a, they, and I, I don't know, this is just one person, but I'm just wondering if the, you know, someone my age remembers, I don't know, Jane Fonda and the China syndrome and Three Mile Island and, and Chernobyl and things like that. And um, so these were, there was a real concern then about, about the impact nuclear power or, or, or mishaps might have and safety. But the younger generation doesn't necessarily have that. What is, how do you get the young to embrace this shift? I think uh, it's a very interesting point because what we, we try to, to do a lot of outreach with, uh, with uh, young groups, including in Glasgow. I don't know if you saw 
there, were, there was a group of uh, the, the Youth Nuclear Congress, it's called. Uh, they were basic, basically British, but they were quite mobile and quite noisy. Uh, which was in itself quite refreshing because you would see, you know, people with 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 T-shirts, uh, you know, depicting signs like "Let's talk about nuclear," walking around and things like that. I did see so, that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was interesting, um, and I'm not saying that uh, that uh, it is a consolidated uh, fact, but what w- what I see is that many are. Um, uh, mobilizing are and, and, and interested when you and then there are a number of number of reasons one of the things to look at when you uh, look at the at energy and the energy uh, problematic if you want and how the younger generation looks at it is that unlike those who are young at your age or my age perhaps I'm older than you but I, I have the same uh, the same recollections of the 70s and the 60s um, was that of a pastoral life, you know, and less, less, you know, materialism, etc. I think they got it completely wrong, these, these old uh, Greens and environmentalists, because the, the new generations, they want it all. They want a clean world. They do want mm-hmm. it, but they want to be connected. They, they belong to an economy that is completely based on consumption and, and very high consumption of energy. Um, and, and yes, they wanted to be clean and they want, they want to be environmentally um, conscious. They want it all. Uh, they are not unconscious. Uh, so uh, I think they are missing the point if they believe that uh, these this old preconceptions of a more natural life, etc., is or the change of lifestyle is what is going to, to make us uh, uh, decarbonize the economy. Is not. Uh, energy will be consumed at higher and higher rates. Um, and, uh, and ironically, if you move to electrical cars or if you do all these things, you will need even more consumption and you will need more hydrogen and you will need more uh, development at every possible level. So uh, I believe that these new generations, and I have enormous faith in that, nuclear, for example, is a source of uh, energy that mobilizes the economy, is high paid jobs, is uh, uh, STEM for young uh, people and young women. It's intellectually intensive in consumption of talent, unlike other forms, which I don't want to, you know, mention because I'm not in a beauty sort of contest, but um, uh, nuclear energy, and I say this knowing what I'm talking about because I come from a developing country. Argentina. Yes, which is very strong in nuclear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and um, I'm still waiting to see a very interesting uh, PhD dissertation, maybe it exists in Argentina or in other countries, to prove that in countries like Argentina, Brazil, India, countries like this, nuclear energy was at the origin of many other technological developments in those countries. In the case of my country, for example, the whole satellite industry, the whole space and communications industry is an offspring of the nuclear um, and it's the same in, in India, for example, and very similar in Brazil. So when you look at, at, at these different angles, you, you see that there is something interesting there. There are technological challenges like fusion, for example, new types of reactors. All, all of these things 
where nuclear can show its glory because basically what is nuclear if not an, a, an homage to human intellect nuclear is the only energy that we invent yeah with no. our brain is it's not the wind is not the sun is not is not the oil that we burn is something that the human genie uh, brought together but perhaps I'm, I'm getting too philosophical here well no that's it. well of course I'll, I'll i'll take it down i'll go lowbrow here of course the most famous uh worker in a nuclear power plant in the world is homer simpson and springfield and yeah. it, it's yeah. there's regularly sort of spoofing nuclear yeah. safety and that's kind of thing. I wonder if you can, if, if actually your Trojan horse here to, to sort of shift people's views about nuclear is, doesn't lie in, in, in making Homer Simpson something of a hero. Well, you know, I, men I mentioned uh, the Simpsons many, many times uh, because, of course, this, this idea of the, of, the, of the green throw up and the, and the people and, and, and the... And, and the fish with the three eyes and the, all that well, kind exactly. of stuff. Exactly, all, all of that. And, and mind you, I've seen this type of, um, of uh, you know, comical representations even in countries that are fi fiercely pro-nuclear, like in France, for example. So uh, it, it has been tried in, in, in many places. And, and actually, of course, this brings you to the safety uh, argument. And when you look at safety, again, the narrative and the reality. The, the, the reality is that nuclear energy is one of the most regulated industries in the world and it has a track record which is, and yes, including Fukushima and Chernobyl, and I don't have any problem in discussing this, has by far, by far the lowest mortality rate uh, when you compare any other source of uh, energy. So, but of course, one thing is the statistics to be there. The other thing is people to believe it or to look at them. Uh, and of course, I don't have a magic wand. But what you may wish to do is to have this discussion, to have this. Um, I don't know if you are aware of an anecdote, something that happened to me in Glasgow. Uh, I was having an open debate with a distinguished colleague of yours. The, the, um, yes, the, I saw it, Gillian. Mm -hmm. well, you, well, you saw that. You saw that and you saw what happened uh, when, when people, for, for those who were not there or who did not um, uh, had an opportunity to watch the, the YouTube video, whatever video it is, when I said that there had been almost no, no people uh, dead from radioactivity in Fukushima, there was a, a, a group of um, uh, environmentalist activists, anti-nuclear, who started laughing out loud at me. And, and I explained the arguments. I simply explained the arguments and it was not my conviction or my uh, you know, pro-nuclear zeal. I told them, listen, uh, read the United Nations Scientific Committee on the Effects of Atomic Radiation, uh, several reports looked and approved at the General Assembly of the United Nations where the most the brightest um, radiological protection experts in the world uh, participate. And you will see there that, that this, this, this not, did not happen. Do I banalize Fukushima? No, it was a horrible accident that should have never happened. And it was a major breach in nuclear safety standards that should have been applied. There's no doubt about it. But simply to say that uh, you, you, you have to confront this. And, but at the end of the day, it's not a matter of a public relation campaign. I think really, uh, and this may even 
go against my own efforts. What will impose itself is the market, the force of the argument that when you really need to get to your national determined contributions and you are accountable for it, then you have to find an energy that will power your economy and, don't, and do not destroy uh, your statistics, if not the atmosphere, right, <laughs> right. by the same token. Yeah, now, I mean, just to, I think that deals with safety. I guess, let me, you mentioned non, nuclear non-proliferation. One of the other risks is people think, oh, well, if we let this country, uh, this country, we encourage this country to adopt nuclear, it's only one step away from, uh, you know, nuclear weaponry and that kind of thing. What, what, uh, how do you, how do you balance that? What is the argument about to, 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 well, to for, yeah, make people feel less concerned that, about that? No, well, that's, that's a very, a very valid point. Uh, and, and the point here is that, uh, you know, you have never seen a case of a civil nuclear program move into proliferation. What, what they, first of all, there is the agency. We inspect uh, uh, thousands of, uh, of places around the world. And those who really wanted to proliferate had to step out of the nuclear non-proliferation regime, like North Korea, and the ones who tried, they were caught red-handed. Um, so the non-proliferation regime works. Uh, and the fact that you have everything we do in Iran, why is there so much brouhaha uh, about it? Because there are doubts and there, there we are, the agency, uh, making sure that nothing wrong uh, happens uh, and the same applies to the other uh, 32 33 countries that have uh, you know somebody who wants to develop uh, really develop nuclear weapons is not going to be running a civilian nuclear program to then go and and fabricate a bomb uh, it yeah. doesn't work like that and it hasn't historically it hasn't worked like that so if a country uh, has you know a country uh, has to every country with the exception of a handful whom you know has signed the npt the non-proliferation treaty and by virtue of that you have to have an agreement with us with my inspectors so i go and inspect them so this idea of the risk that by having a nuclear power plant, you could be making a bomb. Again, ignores how the how the world uh, ticks uh, and what rules are being applied, and who is there, you know, watching out and who is there performing inspections. Um, again, taking parts of the reality and presenting them in a, in an incorrect way. Uh, so that people may believe that, oh, yes, yeah, this is going uh, uncontrolled. And I've seen very, you know, cultivated people make this argument to me. Well, how are you going to have um, a nuclear power plant? And they mention countries, which I'm not going to do uh, here for obvious political and politeness. Uh, how <laughs> can you have this, this country uh, uh, in this part of the world that is building nuclear power plants? Don't you see the risk of proliferation that it poses? No, I don't see it because they have signed the NPT and my inspectors will be there checking every gram of uh, nuclear material. And if there ever is a problem, they will have a problem and they will have to respond to the Security Council of the United Nations. So, um, yeah, um, and, but there is more. There is more because there is the issue of nuclear waste and I'm offering this to you <laughs> in case you have Great. forgotten. And, 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 and then again, 
Well, that's Elon Musk taking it all to Mars, as, as many people like. Well, to that 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 could be an idea and and give us a ride. Uh, but come on, that would that that in the Simpsons. What more would you need to popularize the uh, the safety of nuclear nuclear energy? Exactly, exactly. And as you know, nuclear waste uh, is, is 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 an issue, but is 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 something that is completely under control. Uh, the volumes, first of all, the volumes of nuclear waste are ridiculous, ridiculously small. And on top of that, it's not that uh, they, they are simply small. They are controlled. They are checked. In fact, is the only waste that you know where it is, what conditions it is in, and uh, it is, it is safeguarded also. The, the, our inspectors even check the, the waste. Uh, so you know perfectly well where it is and, and, and what problems uh, may arise with it. So uh, in fact, what you see is the artificial um, erection of um, argument after argument when you really don't like something. But when you look at it, you see, I mean, every, every of course, every activity has risks, every activity has pros and cons. It's, it's about taking the decision that suits you best. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, uh, this was, I'm glad we finally got to catch up. Uh, this, and I would say this is a, a much easier conversation than having to do it in the blue zone uh, of Glasgow. So, <laughs> sure so uh, yeah, I'm not sure we would have gotten through to the topics of Elon Musk sending a nuclear waste <laughs> to Mars or Homer Simpson and the three fish. But I, I really appreciate your time and good luck with everything in the year ahead. No, I think it was a pleasure. And, and as I was saying, for me, it's me who say thanks, because I think it's very important that uh, people get a new perspective, another perspective. And I hope that uh, if at least a couple of your, uh, you know, uh, uh, auditors are, are there and at least they have some curiosity about nuclear energy, it will be it will be well justified. It was a pleasure for me as well. That's our show for the week. Thanks to our producer, Sharon Lamb, in Toronto, and to you, dear listener, for tuning in. Subscribe to The Exchange and our sister podcast, The Room, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you go to get your podcast fixes. You can check us out every day at breakingviews.com. Ciao.